Hey, welcome back to the Buck Naked and Amy, where we love to talk about the naked truth, the absolute truth. People are craving to know what the truth is. And when you value and when you monitor and when you adjust your life to understand the word of God, he says, you continue in my word, then you'll know the truth. The truth will make you free. I love that because in a world of so many opinions, thoughts, propaganda, Feelings. ideas, agendas, there is an absolute truth and there is a naked truth. And that's what we're passionate about. And really we're coming from a biblical worldview. And we have an incredible guest today on our podcast. I can't even believe it. It's so amazing. But before we tell you, we got to talk about a few hot things in the news. Okay. We're past the day of elections where we have elected our brand new governor, senators, and something happened on election day that this is the only time it will happen in like 370 plus more years. And this is the first ever total lunar eclipse. eclipse. Basically a blood moon. Now, if you know anything about scripture, anything about biblical prophecy, anytime there is a blood moon, this is where the sun, the moon, and the earth all line up in a straight line. And in order to see it, you have to look to the east. There are so there is so much to unpack about this, but you do your homework, you study the blood moons, you check about Israel, world events, and all that happens. Signs, there will be signs in, in the, the heavens. heavens. The sun, the earth, the moon all form a straight line November 8th, 2022 it's at 5.16 a.m. Wow. Benjamin it Netanyahu was elected in Israel and there's stuff going on in Iran right now. There's stuff going on in um, Israel. Is, yeah, Israel, Argentina, Venezuela, Brazil. Brazil. Lots happening in the world. Can I tell you, I think there's going to be, we're believing God that there's going to be a holy shift. Mm -hmm. That no matter what happens, God is in control. When we focus on the truth, Jesus never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Okay, so I have to introduce our guest for today. Wow, we are so privileged and honored to have New York Times best-selling author Eric Metaxas right here on this show. He has a new book out, and this book is such a now book, a now word. It is Letters to the American Church. But if you picked Amazing. up his book on Luther, you picked up his book on Bonhoeffer. My wife was listening to these audio podcasts. No, they're like 18 hour 18 audio. hours. Everywhere I go, I hear Bonhoeffer, Bonhoeffer, yeah. Bonhoeffer. So I'm trying to, trying to know who this dude is. And I really, I got to read it and find out who he is. What a great guy. No, and he compares the German church when Hitler was alive to what's happening right now in the American church. I promise this is a book to get your hands on. And I believe we should go now and we should sit and talk with. You will love this. Eric Metaxas. Let's go. Thank you for coming to Pittsburgh. Oh, listen, thank you for, excuse me. No, no. No, it's a huge no. honor. You. As I recall, you invited me, and if you had to invite people, say, "Why don't you come to?" I have to be invited. So thank you for inviting me. This is an honor and a blessing. Yeah. Well, let's start with this one. 
<clears throat> we went home and we got a, a couple different emails from some people, and one pastor was saying this, a prevalent pastor. He said, um, he was actually preaching and worked up about it. He said, we have to stay out of politics. Yeah. We have to preach the gospel yeah. only. How do you address you a pastor that says that? That's, it's just crazy. That's like there are people that say crazy things, and I've heard this over and over and over again. If we just preach the gospel, what is the gospel? How can you preach the gospel when, I mean, look, Bonhoeffer said this, right? He said, if the church does not speak up for the Jews who are going through hell, they were being demonized and, and, and persecuted, this is before the death camps. He said, if the people of God do not speak against this and go to war over this, okay, basically say, we're going to go on the, we're going to put our lives on the line for these Jews, these unsaved Jews, they're not part of, of our church, but they're made in God's image, and we're going to speak up because we believe this is immoral and wrong, and the church is supposed to be the conscience of the state. We're supposed to speak up. And so when people say, well, just preach the gospel, I think that's just sophistry. There's no such thing as just preaching the gospel. As far as I can tell, even Jesus didn't just preach the gospel. You know, when he says, if, if one of... Uh, you know, you uh, would do this to one of these little ones, cause them to stumble. You, they, they, you know, that's not really winsome, Jesus. Maybe you want to edit that out, you know. Well, so I feel like it's a mantra that many in the church have adopted, which is a, a nice way of saying just shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, just preach the gospel. I'm thinking, how can you preach the gospel if these things are happening and you're silent? Now, look, everybody's different. Some people are going to be more political than others. I'm not saying that every pastor... Has to, but I'm seeing a trend where people are using these kinds of things as, as an excuse. There was actually, I was in New Jersey. I think the first time I spoke on this book, I spoke at a church in New Jersey. And the pastor came up to me after I spoke and kind of confessed to me that after hearing me speak, he realized that his elders, and elders can be evil. Did you know that? <laughs> I mean, I hear this over and over again. The elders said, like it's a corporation, right? The elders said that he was not to go to a town meeting where th there was this just evil um, sexual agenda being pushed in schools, right? And that he was not to go there, you know. And he said that he complied with that. He didn't want to, but he complied with that. And he came up to me and said he he knows that he should not have listened to that. He should have gone. Because children's lives are affected, and the Lord will hold us responsible. So I, I just think it's a myth that we could just preach the gospel. It's like a nice idea, right. but it doesn't really make sense. And Bonhoeffer was outraged at those in the church who were saying, we're just preaching the gospel when they weren't speaking up for the Jews, and the Jews are suffering. It's like the Lord's going to hold you responsible. It really is like the person saying, like, I'm just going to have a quiet time. Like, those people being murdered out there, I'm just going to have a quiet time right now because prayer is the most important thing, right? You're like, uh, yeah, that's the devil using religiosity Come on. To, to harm people. I think sometimes people forget that they're very heroes of the faith. We're like Moses, who was the giver of the law. David, who is a king. Esther, who goes before the king on behalf of God's people who are about to be annihilated. Daniel went before the king. Nehemiah went before the king. Paul went before kings and rulers and governors. Jesus' life started with government and ended with government. 
I don't know how you can read a story in the Bible and not see the connection of God and government working together. What, what we are saying is, but that's the point, is what we're saying is biblical. And people mm -hmm. saying, no, 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 that's not biblical. They're not being biblical. And, and, I, and we've got to call them on it. And, and again, these things become mantras. Just preach the gospel. I just want to know, what does that even mean? Like, what, what, what do I need to stick to? Because as soon as I talk about the sanctity of life, that's controversial. As soon as I talk about, you know, how we should not murder the unborn, that is controversial. As soon as I talk about sex is between a man and a woman in marriage for life, that's God's plan. There are only men and women, made and f male and female, in his image, made he them. That's kind of clear. So as soon as you talk about any of this stuff, According to those pastors, you're not, you're not preaching the gospel. Just stick to the stuff that's not controversial. Well, there was a book that was written, and you alluded to it this morning, but the title is Not In It to Win It. Yeah. And I was just reading on Amazon like oh, yeah. to go on there, and it says, Lurking beneath our Bible-laced rhetoric, faith claims, books and sermons is a relentless drive to win. Right. That's pastor. Let me give me? you just the initials. Andy Stanley. Um, let me tell you, just as I sent the manuscript for this book in, I got a copy of that because I'm like an influencer, so Zondervan thought they would helpfully send me a copy. So I get this book, and I look at it, and I force myself to read it, which was no fun um, because it was a mess. It was a theological mess yep. using Scripture verses, but the bottom line is, I, I don't know Andy Stanley. Uh, I'm sure he's a nice guy, but I know tons of pagans and atheists and gays that are nice guys, okay? We don't have to agree on anything. But the point is, what he wrote in that book is wrong, and he's an influential pastor. And there are tons of people who say, oh, there it is right there. He sees what I see, that Bible-laced, I mean, even that phrase, Bible-laced rhetoric, basically demonizing religious people. Actually, when I read that book, two things stuck out. At one point, and this is, again, this is another Issachar thing, right? When you see what's going on in the culture, right? If you think the trouble is, I don't know, whatever, whatever you think, what, is, what does he pick out in the book? He mentions the Westboro Baptist, you know, you know the famous God hates fags people, right? Every Christian I know knows those people are unhinged lunatics, right? We all know that. But he writes about it in the book like, you've got to watch out for those people because there's plenty of them lurking in every church. And I thought, are you kidding me? Like, like, I don't know any Christian that doesn't know that that group is a fringe group of nuts who don't speak for Jesus, who preach hate. And, but he felt like he needed to mention that almost to say, you better watch yourself because that's a real issue in the church, a lot of hatred. And I thought to myself, that's one, one of the ways that I know that the book is crazy because if that's, your, if that's what you're pointing to with all the stuff that's going on, you're just, you're playing games because that's not real. But the other dismaying thing is that, so I read the book and it was just, again, it's historically and theolo theologically mistaken. I'm yep. just going to say it. it's just mistaken and it's misleading people. But I then went on the Amazon page and saw a big happy blurb for this book from Jim Daly of Focus on the Family. And that's when you know how bad it is. That these people, I've mentioned some of them tonight, you think, oh, these are good guys. These are good. But good guys can get it wrong. Good guys in the German church got it wrong. 
And it affected the people in the pew, and it affected the nation. And so I really believe God is calling me to explain this. And in the book, I try to say it in a nice way. In other words, I'm trying to say it in such a way that if you are on the fence, you could be persuaded. This is not just, you know, it's, there's nothing angry. I'm trying to say it in a way to buck up people who might have, um, they're just timid about, about speaking on issues. And just to say, don't be timid. What do you say to somebody, like for instance, and, and we love pastors, we love people, we love preachers, but as Creflo stood up and, and pointed at somebody that said, Stacey Abrams, that birth control and abortion would be good to use at this time because of the great inflation. And then a pastor would stand up. Yeah, and if you say, don't, if you kill the kids, you don't have to feed them. That is so smart. I never thought of that. We we applaud that. So how do you, in a positive way, as God's <laughs> called us to speak up and speak truth? Yeah. How do you speak the truth in love and call someone out on that? I listen. I don't know. Sometimes there is no way. In other words, I think that we sometimes kid ourselves that there's a way. I mean, if you've ever met, I mean, this is this is when Jesus talks about casting out your pearls before swine. I mean, it's an unfortunate thing that he says swine because when I'm not trying to put down the people, but there are people, they're not interested in your argument. They're not interested in the truth. They have a point of view. And I think we need to be realistic about that. In other words, there's a, there's a time when I know I, there's nothing I can do if I could convince somebody. I mean, I wrote this book to convince people who could be convinced. But there are people that it's going to take years, maybe, by God's grace, they'll see it. Again, in Bonhoeffer's day, there were tons of those pastors that they eventually woke up. When it got really bad, they woke up, but then it was too late. And that's kind of the, kind of the issue, is that I don't know. I am staggered when somebody like a Creflo Dollar or T.D. Jakes stands with somebody who is wildly pro-abortion. They're, they're not just, they differ uh, you know, again, there was a time in America when we weren't so divided. And so there were plenty Christians in the Democratic Party who were pro-life. And, and, and they were openly pro-life. That day doesn't exist anymore. And we have to kind of deal with that reality. And I don't know, um, again, I think sometimes we have to be realistic and understand there's nothing I can say. I, I just have to advocate the truth and pray for people and speak what I can. But I may not be able to, to get somebody to see uh, how harmful that is, you know. I read your book, Bonhoeffer, probably a decade ago. Actually, I listened to it on Audible. And it sh kind of shook me. And I think the message that you have in this book is really heavy and really important. You're comparing the church of today in America yeah to the German church where 11 million people, right, lost yeah. their lives. Yeah. Can no, 11 million people were murdered. Murdered. Many, 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 many more lost their lives. Like many, many more millions lost their lives. Yeah. But 11 people, 11 million people were murdered by the Nazis. It's like an incomprehensible thing. And the people in the beginning of this period, they didn't see that coming, but they allowed it to happen. I think about men like my grandpa who showed up to help fight for freedom over there for the Jewish people and for really Eastern Europe. But okay, so unpack what Marxism looks like, atheistic, socialist, communist, 
how is that, what does that look like in America? What are signs and verbiage and wording and things that we need to be looking out for so we're not deceived? Well, basically, all of the woke stuff is cultural Marxism, basically. Um, it's masquerading. Again, this is when people play games, right? Like, it's like if you talk about racism or something, like everybody's like, oh, yeah, we're against racism. So what are you selling? Well, they're selling cultural Marxism. And so, you know, BLM, and they are going to destroy the black community and destroy black families. So I have to say what they're selling is going to hurt people, the very people they would claim to help, but just in the same way that socialistic policies are gonna hurt people. In other words, if you care about the poor, there are many good people that are convinced socialism would be a good thing for, for the poor, right? And I'm here to say that they're mistaken. We have many decades going back to Johnson's uh, uh, great society that we're gonna spend tons of money, we're gonna wipe out poverty. It created more and more and more and more poverty. It, it, it worked against everything. And so really what you're talking about, I mean, if you think about what is Marxism, what, it's basically a godless way of seeing the world. And it's a way of saying we can solve problems without God. Uh, we're gonna redistribute wealth. We're going to, uh, we're gonna redistribute wealth. But it's always very divisive. It pits people against each other. It's gonna pit blacks against whites. It's gonna pit poor against wealthy. It's gonna pit people against each other. And God's way and what has been the American way, which is, which is from scripture, is that we say, no, we're, we're always gonna have poor people, but we're always gonna try to be fair. We're trying to create a world where everyone has an opportunity and we're gonna try to do what we can with our flawed system to help people. But redistributing wealth, by the way, if it worked, I'd be for it, but it doesn't work. It crushes the poor. It crushes the poor. Really what it does ultimately is it gives power to those in power. They use, you know, if, again, if you say to somebody like, you're against racism, right? You're against poverty, right? You're against the poor suffering, right? And you go, yeah, 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 yeah. And they go, okay, do what I tell you. Give me your money. Right. And, and many people just like, okay, and they do that. And then the people who get that power and get that money do not use it for what they said. They use it to get more power and to control people more and more. And it's, it's, it's antithetical, not just to biblical values, but to American values. The American value of liberty is antithetical to Marxism, to socialism. These are ideas that it's authoritarians who have power. And again, we've seen this big time now in big tech, mm -hmm. that they have so much power and that they're silencing people and they're using that power. That itself is un-American and we're in a real battle right now, right? Are you gonna get canceled? Are you gonna get, you know, be careful what you say and you think, wow, that's not the American way. We've always struggled with that but it goes against liberty. And, and uh, you know, we used to say, uh, I may disagree with you, but I will defend to the death your right to say what you have to say. Like that's, that's the American way, it's a beautiful idea, right? That we can't force people to agree with us, but uh, we can believe that it's okay for us to disagree. So there's, I mean, there's, there's a lot there. The transgender stuff is another example of, you know, most people know that it's crazy stuff. That like five right. minutes ago, somebody just decided that everything's different and whatever. And on a spiritual level, I see it as 
somehow demonic, that, that people's lives are being destroyed, but the inability of people to speak against this, I mean, you're getting some people speaking against this, but you're getting a lot of pagans speaking against this because a lot of churches are timid. They don't want to go there. Um, and so it's almost everywhere we look, we're, we're, we're seeing this kind of stuff. So that really wasn't much of an answer. So but you, you bring out in your book about not being silent. And so spending a lot of time building churches in Russia and the Eastern Bloc countries and being in Auschwitz where the bake ovens were, I have this high alert when I see Marxist communism. And so with that, when a guy walked in the back here and said to me, um, and they put a little clip together and said that we sat right here and interviewed a spirit-filled man of God, Doug Mastriano, and he put this out over the airwaves that we will be threatened by this news media outlet and basically brought attorneys on and said he is not allowed to speak that, he is not allowed to say that. I went through about six different attorneys. They said I did nothing absolutely wrong. But that thought alone to threaten the church and put this out on the airwaves and say to every other pastor and every other church in Pittsburgh, if you say everything, you will lose your 501c3. What do you say to a situation like that? And could you preface Danbury, Connecticut, an understanding of church and state separation? Yeah, it's funny. I grew up in Danbury, Connecticut. It's my hometown. And, uh, you know, I discovered as an adult that the, the concept of separation of church and state was a letter that Thomas Jefferson wrote to the Danbury Baptist. It's kind of an amazing thing, right? But the point of separation of church and state is that the founders understood that we need faith for liberty to flourish. Now think of this. They were not on the same page as we are theologically, but every single one of them, without exception, understood that if we don't have robust faith in America, we can't have liberty. Uh, and there's many reasons for that. But they said, but we can't force faith because you can't force faith. And because if you force faith, then there's no liberty, right? So they understood that we have to have a separation church and state. We have to have religious liberty in America where the state can say nothing to the churches. The churches are free. Come on. And, and the fact of the matter is, when you have freedom, you have messy stuff, okay? You're going to have crazy people. They're going to have cults. They're going to have bad theology. But you say, well, it's a free market, and we're going to let it ride. We're going to let the people choose what church they want to go to, whether they want to go to church, whether they want to go to mosque. We can't get involved in that. So it's a sacred thing uh, to, to liberty that we have religious liberty. And so what you always see in communist countries, uh, in authoritarian countries, they try to crack down on the church. Why? Because the church is the greatest threat to them. Right. The church is going to speak the truth about demonic stuff like slavery, like uh, genocide, like whatever it is, it's going to be the church that's going to speak against those injustices. And so people in power want to crush the church. And so the church needs to be aware of that. And, and everybody... Uh, in a place like America needs to be aware of that. That when, when you have people bullying you and saying, you can't say this, you can't say that, that's when, I mean, do you think any news outlet is bothering T.D. Jakes for having a photo op with Beto O'Rourke? No, it's a one-way street. They will only do that if you go against their narrative. Right. So when they say you're being political or this or that, it's, it's only if you're being political in a way they don't like. And so... I'm here to say that 
when somebody is attacked, we should all stand up with them and for them, even if we don't agree with them. But if somebody is being attacked in that way, because that is, that is authoritarianism, and that's what silences people, and it's what silenced Germans in the 30s, that threat. And Bonhoeffer said, if we all stand up, the threat won't work. But if we let them pick us off one after the other, and that's exactly what happened. Most German pastors said, you know what? Let's, I'm going to let that hothead in Pittsburgh, let him, <laughs> let him have that. And let that hothead there in California, let, let them fight those battles. Let them pay the legal fees. That's, that is how evil overtook Germany. Wow. And it is exactly how evil overtakes in, in many cases. And it's how evil is trying to overtake this country. And again, the irony is that everyone will suffer. Everyone will suffer. I mean, if you look at the story of the French Revolution, it eventually eats its own. There's nobody pure enough. And so everybody's afraid of what they say. It happened in Russia. You know, Stalin killed the people closest to him. You think like, well, at least I'm out of trouble. Yeah, you're out of trouble for now. But eventually in a system like that, nobody's safe. That's right. I think people are craving the truth right now. It's like, will somebody please stand up and say something that, sh that is absolute truth? That's why we went out on the edge. I mean, the total edge by doing a podcast called Buck Naked the and Naked Amy. The Naked Truth. The naked I mean, truth. that who would ever name something right. like that? Because right. we want to get to the naked truth, which is actually God's word, God's view, God's thoughts. What would you say to this younger generation? Yeah. Like the one thing. They, they care about social justice. They're yeah. ready to move. They were born in freedom, raised in freedom. They haven't been a world traveler, and yeah. they don't quite understand no the world yeah. view and um, history. What would you say to that younger generation? I'd buy them a plane ticket to Saudi Arabia. I mean, it's, it's kind of funny, right? Because that's the problem exactly. is we're so blessed in America right. that we're spoiled. Right. And we don't understand that if we don't fight for what we have, it's, it's going to go away. I think one thing that's interesting, this is just always true, right? We know that when the church is persecuted, it grows, right? Come on. So we don't look for persecution. But the point is that the Lord designed us. It's just like when you exercise, your muscles grow, right? When, when we are active in the battle, that's attractive to outsiders. They go, look. You care about truth, or you care about this, or you care about that. They see you in that. Uh, if we do this thing where we're always kind of just going with the flow, there's nothing. I mean, I'll tell you, you know, people wonder why is, is Islam growing in prisons, right? Because young men are looking for a challenge. Right. And in Islam, they don't say to you, well, do you believe? Okay, you're good. <laughs> they say you got to pray five times a day. You got to do this. You got to do this. Can't right. eat that. Can't eat that. Da, 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 da. There's something that we've lost in the church good. to challenge people, right? And again, we're not talking about works righteousness, but the point is that we get to be part of God's army for truth and love in a, in a, in a wicked world, in a broken world. And when we do that, uh, it, it exercises our faith and strength, strengthens our faith, but it also is attractive to outsiders because they say, wow, you really believe in that, and you really care about that, and you're willing to pay a price. I mean, when Bonhoeffer said we got to speak up for the Jews, he's asking non-Jews to speak up for the Jews. He's saying that's what we do. And 
that is attractive to people when they go, wow, you must really believe that because you're not doing that for yourself to protect your church. You're doing that to protect other people and, and speaking up for truth. So imagine all the parents right now that's sending their kids to schools and the transgender madness, they've got to deal with this in their houses. And they don't know where to look. They don't know where to turn. And many of them are thinking, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Well, if the church would speak about this, tons of parents are just like looking for that kind of Come a church. On. They're like, thank the Lord. Somebody, I guess God is real because in that church, they're actually talking about that because my kids are, are facing this every day and I'm facing this and I don't have time. I'm busy. And, and, but somebody cares. Somebody is actually is speaking about this. Um, the, the transgender madness uh, is, is one example, but there are all kinds of those kinds of it's a critical race theory. It's the same kind of thing. It's divisive. It's negative. It's wrong. It's atheistic. But a lot of people don't have the ability to know even how do I argue against it or what do I say? Or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I just should shut up. And when they see people living out their faith, I mean, the vaccine mandates is a, is, a, is a classic example, right? I, you know, I don't think the vaccines are a good idea, to put it mildly, but I'll tell you what. You, people like Fran Drescher, when she spoke in this video, she said, I got the vaccine, but what I see, this enforcement of it, we need to speak against that. That's not right. So she didn't say, like, well, I'm vaccinated, so tough luck. She said, it's not right. She knows people that weren't allowed to work on, on the sets in these movies and whatever because they weren't vaccinated. And you think, that's just not right, and you need to speak against that. And so here you have her doing it. Uh, on my radio program, I've had uh, Naomi Wolf. When I, in my, it's amazing. Uh, in, my, in my class at Yale, you know, this, this woman was in my class at Yale, feminist, liberal, not a Christian, but she has been so bold on all this kind of stuff, speaking out on these issues and saying that, you know, this transgender stuff is a war on women. And, uh, and, and this vaccine stuff is, is, is a war on, on freedom and all this different stuff. And now she's not, you know, some MAGA patriot, but she sees the truth and she's speaking it. And I really just think that there are tons of people out there, they see this stuff and they're just looking for clarity. Am I crazy? Is the world crazy? What's going on? And I think if, if we in the church will, as we're able, because we're not all called to the same thing, but as we're able, if we would provide leadership, self-sacrificial leadership that says to people, you know what, Th those people care. They're fighting in my Amen. community, and I respect that. And I know that a number of pastors I know in California, they've had tons of non-Christians checking their churches out because they're like, we're, we're just shocked that finally somebody is talking about this, and we just want to be around those people. So I actually think there's something attractive. Uh, yeah, in, in other words, the, the basic, the, the ba that's my stomach. Um, there's, there's, uh, there's this idea that if I speak about something, I will lose congregants, I will lose people, right? But I want to say it's been my observation that you will probably gain people. That's right. Uh, that actually you'll probably gain people because there is a hunger in the culture today. Things are so bad that people are looking for, uh, they're looking for truth, they're looking for answers, they're looking for courage. Amen. You know, Eric, a, a lot of your books, as you read them, there's a strength in the faith without works is dead. 
How do we embody and encourage right now, not only here but on the podcast, leaders and pastors that would say, you know, just like for instance when COVID hit, the Lord just said to us, we have to stay in motion. Faith without works is dead. Yeah. What do you say to the person that's just bent toward a passivity, a softness, yeah. or the pastor that would cower down, the leader that would cower down and say, we don't want to get political. Yeah. We don't want to ruffle feathers. Yeah. We're concerned about people coming, leaving. But how do you bring that out in that faith that's really emphasized in Acts 2, Acts 4, in a boldness? When you're threatened, you rise up with the truth and you come against that with words of truth. Well, I mean, first of all, we have to say this, right? That Americans, you know, part of our DNA in our culture, because every culture is different, right? But part of American culture is we're nice. Some of that's good, some of that's bad. Sometimes it's good to be nice, and other times it's good to be feisty, right? And so when we heard like, oh, we gotta shut down, nice Americans go like, okay, okay, we'll shut down. But at some point, some pastor said, wait a, wait a minute, um, when we shut down the church, you're using this threat that, oh, people are going to die, right? But people are going to commit suicide if they don't have a place like a church to come to. Do you know how many people committed suicide during this COVID madness? Yeah. You don't hear about that. Right. You don't hear about that. If you care about life so much, you care about people, you know, catching COVID, you ought to care about people killing themselves also, right? That's right. So the tendency to just say, well, okay, we'll, we'll shut down or we'll do this or do that. I, we just have to be honest with ourselves, right? I mean, a, a lot of good pastors I know did that. And I think we need to have an honest reckoning and say, that hurt some people. You hurt some people. Um, not just people that committed suicide, but people fell away from faith, people that fell into tremendous depression. There's a reality there. And, and so when you buy into a narrative, that, this narrative was a fear-based narrative, That's basically. Right. And again, some of it was good people just getting stuff wrong. But some of it was authoritarian madness. Um, and I think that w we have to say there is a time to fight. You know, David didn't say, let me pray with Goliath first. <laughs> but we don't say, well, David, well, David wasn't a Christian. He was just a nut. We cheer, right? The idea. So the, this idea that Christians were not supposed to fight is not, it's not biblical. Now, how you Come fight on. matters, when you fight matters, but the idea that we're supposed to be passive and that turn the other cheek like that's the whole Bible, that's not the whole Bible. Jesus said that to make a point, just like Romans 13 is there for a purpose, but that's not the whole Bible. And and I think that we have to just demonstrate it as, as best we can. And, and again, I know there's some people that are never going to get it. Right. They don't have the appetite for controversy or they don't. I mean, to some extent, to be quite honest, I don't. I mean, I'm not looking to argue with people. Right. But, we, you, you know, you just have to, um, people have to understand we're in, we're in a battle mm -hmm. for the soul of America. Amen. And if the church doesn't speak and stand, people will suffer. Yes. Christians will suffer, non-Christians will suffer, and tons of non-Americans in other countries will suffer. I talk about Reagan in the book, the last chapters about Ronald Reagan, um, when he said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Everybody in the State Department said, you can't say that. Don't say that. That's not diplomatic. We don't talk like that. That's divisive, <laughs> right? I mean, it's exactly what you hear 
uh, in, a, in a lot of churches, right? Like, no, 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 don't, that's controversial. Don't say that, don't say that. Hmm. There's a time to say something like that. And Reagan, when he said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall, I believe he was speaking prophetically. I believe the demons right. trembled that's right. when words like that came out of his mouth because that affected millions in the Soviet Union. They thought, some American said that? There's hope. There are people out there who believe in what we know is right. right. We're not alone. But everyone in, you call it what you want, the bureaucracy, the deep state, the uniparty, the cowards, whatever you want to call it, the rhinos, the, whatever word you want to use, they've always existed. And they told Reagan, you cannot say that. Do not say that. That's right. But at the end of the day, what we're talking about is... God calls us to fight evil because he wants to defeat evil. So but there are voices that say we need to coexist with evil and we should never have open warfare. Just coexist. So wow. when it came to the Soviet Union, they called it detente. Remember that, right? Detente. We just want to play patty cake with the devil. We don't, we don't want to actually have a fight because what if we lose? So we'll just, we won't say anything. And Reagan, because he discerned the times, said, no, I'm going to say, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. And I'm telling you, that was so powerful and that we now know as a result of that kind of posture of Reagan, which everybody said, no, 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 don't do that, don't say that, that's warlike. Because of his posture and because of the posture of Margaret Thatcher and Pope John Paul II, the Soviet Union fell. But if it hadn't been for those three figures being heroic and doing what everybody said you can't do, the Soviet Union would have kept going. And there's evil that we're, we're facing today. In other words, the globalism that's trying to take over the world, the, the, the communist Chinese that are just crushing their own people. They need us in America, and particularly in the American church, to be strong and clear on these yeah. issues. Because the, the, the human rights that are being violated in China, it's, it's as horrifying as what the Nazis did. And people are like, well, I don't care. I can, I can make some money, you know, doing a deal with China. I don't care. God's going to judge you if you don't care about that stuff. So much of what you're saying, you know, today, all day today, and in your book, it reminds me of some prophetic words that I've heard spoken multiple times that, that there are two parties, the mama bear party and the groomers. And the more I hear what's going on, I mean, you're a mama bear, you're a mama bear. It's like we've got to rise up to protect the cubs. And when we hear about puberty blockers for third graders, that's a huge problem. And some people celebrate that are pushing that, stuffing down our face. They're taking a 13-year-old girl and cutting off her breasts without her parents' consent or even knowledge. It is insane. No, it, it, is look, happening. it is satanic. This is, but this is what I'm saying. There's a time when you have to call something what it is. That is satanic. Evil. And I don't care if people agree with me, and we shouldn't even care if they kill us Let's because go. that's satanic. If you have to fight. And... Even the idea that the government would have anything to say about our children. Come on. Do you understand how, how deeply, deeply un-American that is? That's what, I mean, again, because my parents grew up in Europe and, and I, you know, you hear about this, but in communism, that's what they do. They take your children from you. It is satanic. We know that in slavery times when they did that, that was satanic. That when you divide a family, that's satanic. 
And that's what Marxists do. And of course it has come to this country. And sometimes you just have to fight politically. You know, you, you, you can't make somebody advocating for that necessarily see your way, but you can vote right. them out of office or you can, you can, but we better do whatever we can do right. because young people's lives are at, literally at That's stake. Right. That's right. Wow, what an incredible interview with an incredible man. I really believe he has a message for our times for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. I love some of the quotes, you know, from Bonhoeffer, silence in the face of evil is evil itself. And not to speak is to speak, not to act is to act. Wow. I love what he said on this takeaway. To silence the voice of the church is to silence the voice of God. Wow. I want to encourage everybody out there that, that we are the ecclesia. We are the church. The church is not a building. The church is not pews and instruments. The church is people. God has given us a voice. Man, in the United States of America, let's use that voice for the kingdom and for the government that God has provided to bring it to earth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, we're his hands and feet. We're his body. And don't complain about it. And don't just pray about it. Let's act because faith without works is dead. I like this translation. Faith that does nothing is worth nothing. I mean, we've got to put some action behind our faith and our beliefs. Now is the time to be bold and to stand up as the church. Well, not only that, as we get a switch in government, I think it's important to, as we did during the times of covid it's important that we not just stand up one time in a midterm election and then be all pumped up because this crazy agenda of the left wants to take over really with an antichrist spirit, but to keep praying, to keep standing, to stay awakened and keep moving things forward. One thing I said is we have to stay in motion. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of freedoms here in America. You know, as we're sitting here, and as he mentioned Bonhoeffer in the German church during World War I, World War II, you know, I sit here with my papa's flag that he was in World War II and he was a prisoner of war, missing in action, taken by the German shoulder, soldiers. They did surgery on him, returned him back to U.S. custody. I mean, I, there, I feel a very passionate call to protect and defend our freedoms that we walk in, the freedom of religion, the freedom of speech, the freedom to peaceably assemble. You know, we have rights. And I tell you, there are people that do not want us to walk in those freedoms. So we have to, as a church, we have to see things, we have to say things, we have to do things, and we have to pray about things. And don't be afraid of speaking the naked truth. Some people don't like it. Some people get upset about it. I heard a preacher say a couple days ago, you, we got to be kind to people. We got to be nice to people. We, we, we got to realize these are God's sheep. Yes, but one of the greatest things we can do is tell people the naked truth. And the truth will set them free. Let's go.